HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm joined by our content director, Ashley Siandre, and Stacey Hartnett, Vice President of Ecom and Marketing at Chomps, the better for you meat snack brand on a mission to inspire a healthier way of high protein snacking. Chomps is available in over 20,000 grocery doors, including Whole Foods, Target, Walmart, and continuing to build online at Amazon, Thrive, and of course, their own D2C channel. Stacy's been at Chomps for over four years, and her role has evolved from media buyer to now building and leading the marketing function across e-com, brand, consumer, and innovation. All right, we are going to have a really fun discussion today. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me. You are in high demand. <laughs> Is that true? Did you, were you like flattered when I said that, you know, maybe we would find someone from Chomps? Everyone's like, Stacy, get Stacy. Of course. I didn't know I had that reputation with the team. It's very flattering. Yes. Yes. And that's partly, Ashley, why I wanted you to come on because you really wanted Stacy to come on. And I just thought that would be really fun. So, how are you feeling? Are you, are you loose for your first pod appearance? <laughs> yeah. I'm, super excited and I'm so excited to hear about the world of D2C. It's going to be a nice refresher for us. Yes. Um, all right. So Stacy, yes. first question is really just a very, very big picture sort of. I feel like a couple of years ago, every other word was growth. It was growth this, growth that, growth, growth, growth. And I feel like it got thrown around a lot because I was like, well, aren't we always just supposed to be growing? Like, isn't, isn't just growing, like running the company? And obviously that was a little reductive of me. Um, but it seems like it has evolved a lot from, you know, a world where we were just trying to make digital ads work to channel people to buy directly. And now obviously a lot of things have changed sort of in the ecosystem. And I'm just wondering for you, who's been sort of across all of these different functions and your role has been evolving, you know, for the past several years, how do you just like frame up what growth means to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think growth as a term has certainly morphed into a messy kind of beast of a term um, I think a lot of the times it gets too narrow of a definition, actually too narrow of a scope um, in those pre iOS kind of environment. 
you thought about, there was so much discussion around growth hacking where a brand could select a single channel, kind of hack their way into fast, you know, top line growth mm-hmm. and acquisition. And, and that's what it meant, right? How do you hack an algorithm? How do you hack right. creative or messaging? Mm-hmm. Um, but as things have shifted and changed, I think the conversation really, the term overall has become much more of a, a broad business and general management term. So how do you not just think about top line acquisition, but through to retention and LTV? And how are you truly creating a sustainable long-term business that has mm-hmm. meaning and depth behind you know, the lowest CAC, for example? Right. So for everyone listening, LTV, lifetime value, and CAC, cost of acquisition, just in in service of those who are not acronym proficient. The other day I used a sentence with three different acronyms and everyone, my whole team kind of turned and looked at me like... (laughs) That is a good reminder. (laughs) Take take it easy, Tiger. (laughs) Um, So, and I mean, I think, you know, that's it, it, it sort of speaks to this larger, it's almost like any kind of hacking, mm-hmm. you know, biohacking, growth hacking. I, I'm not sure that the world actually grows on hacking. I think you can have one-off crazy stories. I think you can, you know, read people talking about how they injected themselves with whatever, or did whatever, but hacking in general seems to me to be less in favor right now than good old fashioned building the business and making a product that people love and buy over and over again. I agree. It, it took attention away from the product itself and the experience and kind of that, that need state and that solution that your business is trying to solve on behalf of the consumer. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the second sort of piece of that is because because we're back to sort of this idea of a healthy business, not a hacked business, Mm -hmm. right? I think, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned sort of in our pre, you know, emails going back and forth is that marketing as a function has always been evolving, but is now really in this interesting spot because one of the things that happens when the hacking stops is that all of the channels start to bubble up as equally important. Mm -hmm. And that means that everyone needs to be on the same page and on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. And I guess you now, as you're leading that marketing function, I mean, you said e-commerce, brand, consumer, innovation, how are you thinking about your role, about all of the blurring channels, about the communication from one part of the team to the other? Like if you can just sort of like map it out a little bit, the way that you think about it in your brain and the way that it's you know mapped out at Chomps, that would be really helpful. Yeah, of course. And, and our evolution has been really interesting because Chomps did start D2C first. Um, so, you know, we've been on Shopify for, you know, 11 years, um, mm-hmm. so it was really focused on it and, and did benefit from some of that, you know, hyper targeting and it, the team was built D2C and e-commerce first, mm-hmm. but as our audience changes, our, our co-founders made incredible decisions early on to diversify our sales channels. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of saw the importance of, um, expanding beyond D2C, they adopted Amazon. It wasn't one versus the other. You know, mm-hmm. How are we building Amazon and partnering with a platform like Thrive and then into retail distribution? The importance of diversifying sales channels and marketing um, became, became very clear. And so very early on, the team, because it was small at the time, I, I joined at 10 people. Um, you know, each new role, we really thought about the importance of a growth mentality starting at the highest business objectives. So it's always been very clear um, for Chomps, like what we were trying to do and accomplish as a business. Um, 
partnering very closely with finance, really closely with operations, Mm -hmm. with the sales and retail team, um, and working through prioritization, through challenges, through COVID, through inventory constraints, um, and really kind of staying hyper-focused on overarching, how are we supporting the business? How does your function roll into the broader strategic objective of your of your company and mm-hmm. waterfalling, you know, KPIs and programming against that top line growth mentality. I love that. I mean, I feel, I, Ashley, it sounds a little bit familiar, no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and so like going back to those functions a little mm-hmm. bit, I mean, I think, you know, part of the fun part of getting to do this podcast is that I meet so many people who do so many different things. Mm-hmm. And part of the challenge, I think, for everyone around me is that every time I get off the podcast, I I mean, everyone I interview, I think is a genius pretty much. I mean, like nine out of 10. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to focus more on this thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it can be literally whatever that person has come on to say, but, you know, within a month I had someone who was talking about serious in-store shopper marketing, like merchandising, boots Mm -hmm. on the ground, feet on the street. And I was like, we got to put more money there. Mm-hmm. And then I had someone come on last week who was talking about content creators and, you know, building up that sort of, you know, brand trust through, you know, great content and partnering with creators. And I was like, oh, we got to go, you know, we got to do more of that. I mean, how do you, how do you prioritize? We have to be everywhere all at once. And the marketing team stretches across everything from getting pulled off of a small, tiny little retailer shelf to a mass shelf to a, you know, online marketplace to Amazon, to your own website. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you even break that down? Like, what does your Monday morning meeting look like in marketing? (laughs) That's a if I had an easy solve for that, I would I, <laughs> it would be you know really helpful. But um, no, I think it's true, right? I think there's with this unlock of you know diversifying sales channel, diversifying media, growing omni-channel business. There's going to be an endless kind of toolkit on levers you can pull. So I think that's really where the articulation of your short and long-term strategy come into play. So this is something that's evolving for chomps, um, but is, is strategic planning. Um, for us, it's just as important to define what we are doing as it is to define what we are not doing and mm-hmm. when that's happening. So a lot of these different levers we know are important but it's a yes, not right now, or like, yes, in Q4 or in 2024 and 2025. Right. Um, so we've experienced similar things and, you know, we're building team around that, but you, you can't spread yourself so thin where nothing is being accomplished to the, its highest kind of potential really narrow in and define and get buy-in on highest impact initiatives, keep team kind of KPI'd and focused against those and tracking against those while you're still keeping a pulse on what's a year down the road. Like how are you building something? What are those milestones? What's right. the people and the teams and the tools and the technology you need in place for the long-term initiatives? So I was going to ask you about measuring a little bit later, but since you, you're talking about it, I mean, I think part of the challenge, you know, it's, it's the joke, you know, which is, you know, times are tough, like look at the marketing team, you know, and you look at them because they can make things better and you look at them because they, it always seems fluffy and, you know, Ashley, obviously I know it's not fluffy, but I, I do think that, you know, the, the general, 
zeitgeist is, well, you need, you need to make the product and you need to sell the product. Maybe, you know, we can back off on marketing the product, which I think is the absolute wrong plan. Um, especially for emerging brands who are competing primarily on brand. Um, but can you break down a little bit of like, what, what do you measure? You know, I mean, you don't have to go me, you know, go into the team's KPIs, but you know, you're looking at, you're looking at, you know, basically who, how many people are coming into your brand and how many people are buying your brand and then how many people are buying your brand again. Right. And so what does your measurement dashboard look like? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that, right? I think we have, you know, company initiatives and, and top line metrics that are focused around, you know, full funnel. So how, you know, brand awareness overall, household mm-hmm. penetration, but also important retention metrics, buy rate, repeat rate. Um, and then everything from, t- you know, team KPIs kind of waterfall from that is what needs to happen to hit those top line metrics. But to your point, I mean, there were kind of two, two big kind of moments in, in the Chomps history where we essentially shut down marketing. You know, COVID hit and we were, you know, e-commerce, but we were also retail. Mm-hmm. Our product at Check Lane was literally behind Flexibus. You, you right. couldn't reach the product. And, right. was, you know, <laughs> marketing, you know, was essentially paused. We'd shut down our D2C website through a period of D2C, you know, inventory prioritization so we could hit retail reset schedules. Mm-hmm. You know, we can always sell on D2C. Amazon won't kick us off D2C, but there's a prioritization need for our, our partners on shelf. You can't lose right. that shelf space. With that comes difference in, you know, in marketing mix and media mix. So, you know, for us, it's really about articulating what full funnel metrics are, like the importance of having a single KPI between behind every dollar you spend continues to grow. It's so easy to look at ROI and just to, to decision make off of that, but mm-hmm. to have a, a program succeed or to, to build up the funnel, really thinking about from the start, how are you optimizing and how are you decision-making against that KPI? And then understand the business context. Those weren't the times to spend. Those weren't the times to do certain things. So you had a really high growth performance-driven team that you then had to motivate. We, you know, dove into our foundation. We looked at what we had built. We optimized, we built a new website, you know, during that time period. Mm -hmm. So that the rebound and the build back could be really accelerated. Yeah. I mean, it's a great product and it's a great story. And it went, it just felt ubiquitous quickly, but it's funny, mm-hmm. you know, and then you say it, that it's, it's been there for 11 years, you know, yeah. so nothing's quick. Well, some things and are quick. A lot but. of, a lot of hard work from our, from our co-founders before the team was even built. Um, yeah. We have legacy Google campaigns that, you know, our co-founders are Pete and Rashid. It was Rashid's campaign against Pete campaign, Pete's campaign. They were mm-hmm. you know, competing against who could run Google ads better. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about awareness and retention. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. 
But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Ashley, our content director at Haven's Kitchen, and our guest, Stacey Hartnett, VP of Marketing at Chomps. So, Ashley, this one's for you. Um, You know, we've been talking about marketing and channels and growth and, you know, prioritization. And since you've been at Haven's, we have really only had one sales channel, which is retail. Um, we've been incredibly focused on our retail partners. Um, obviously, everyone who listens to this knows, like Stacy, I don't know if you know, but we're a fresh mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even during COVID, we had a, an option for people to buy us directly online, but it's never been the way that we plan on getting into homes across America. Um, and it really is important for us to show our right to have those slots at our retailers and prove out our story. So I've always been sort of a velocity freak and anything to sort of distract from that has been deprioritized, which makes it a little challenging for, you know, Ashley, um, simply because the amazing content that we've built, you know, that, that she's been building for us for, you know, the last year or so, two years, I don't even know what it is, um, has had no direct correlation that we can prove, obviously, to sales or velocity. It's just this sort of ephemeral, you know, uh, I don't know, intent to purchase maybe, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ashley, with that context, question for you, we're leading up to launching a um, shelf stable line. Yay. Yay. Um, and with that, we're going to be shifting a little bit. We're going to still focus on our retail partners primarily, but you are going to be able to buy from us and from Amazon. And so how are you thinking about that shift at Havens and what needs to sort of like change in your world to prepare, um, for that? And I mean, I think you're really excited about it, but tell me a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, starting off, it's funny because past Ashley wanted Stacy as a guest um, to kind of get ready for this conversation. Um, and I would say our current strategy is definitely primed for retention. And our data shows we have high repeat site visitors viewing our recipes weekly. And with this shift towards D2C and possibly opening up this new channel for ads, which we've never really done, we're now focusing on building out a content strategy that caters to a larger audience that has no prior touch points with our brand. And currently, we know lots of folks are coming to us from the QR codes on our packaging, meaning there's already product in hand. Mm-hmm. And now we're working on optimizing our content strategy to funnel in folks digitally who know nothing about the history of Haven's Kitchen or our new line. That seems really um, a little scary. I mean, (laughs) because, you know, the way that we got into people's like kitchens and hearts was through a physical product that they could buy and that they could use to make their food better. And so, I mean, I guess back to you, Stacey, like we are now building up a funnel with people who've maybe never heard of us, you know, ever and never have seen our fresh product and don't know anything about our cooking school and don't, don't really have any, any context for us. So, I mean, what advice do you have for us? I mean, I think that's, that's a spot on strategy. I think there's a lot of things that you guys have done really well. I mean, to build that, like the content you have on your site right now is that's your, that's your use case. That's how people are using your product in home. You're building that, that destination and that brand platform already, that's something we had to think about after conversion focus. 
So when we launched our new website in Q1 with just, it was a totally different landscape than when we really had built it two years ago when it was e-com heavy, we had to rethink and actually go reverse of what you guys are saying and say, well, now actually we do think the majority of our, of our site visitors have tried the product in store. It's a lower price point. Like that is our trial, our velocity, you know, driver. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the entry point to the brand. Whereas the website, you're, you're committing to a higher, you know, path type. So how do you build that channel around use case and subscription and retention focus? We actually reversed it from, you know, what you guys are talking about and replatformed as a, a, a way to, you know, build community and loyalty with our consumers as opposed to just a direct conversion engine. Interesting. So that's interesting. And so, I mean, I'm just picturing, you know, a bunch of you sitting around a table and being Mm -hmm. like, okay, we've been focused at top of funnel since our inception. And now we're focused at that, you know, repeat consumer and getting them to really feel a part of what they've just tried and using all of our tactics that way. Like, what does that look like in actual, like, okay, now now you send, you know, your team out to go do X, Y, Z. Like, what happens when, when you go from that theoretically into, like, tactically? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of different... Um it's a different skill set. It's a different kind of view on how you're creating those experiences online um, and how you execute that. Um, especially across if you're going on D2C and Amazon as well, like those right. are going to be two, two different levels of internal investment and execution. Amazon's an incredible platform for the volume for kind of being able to build that A plus content strategy without the need for development and execution. Like you guys will have to think about like, what is that entry point into your site? Are you building dedicated landers out? How are you optimizing the heck out of those pages for a new consumer versus a returning consumer? Like, are you digging in and kind of creating your new dashboards that are focused around some of those um, expanded metrics across different customer journeys and experiences with the website? Yeah, it's funny. Can we talk a little bit about Amazon and D2C? Because I, we got into a very, I I think, I don't know, Ashley, did Courtney tell you about my passionate channel TED talk? I don't think so. Okay. I had, I had a passionate moment with our like (laughs) finance and ops and whatever. And the finance team basically said, I'm not quite sure why if you have a shelf stable product, you wouldn't want to have a real source of revenue coming from direct to consumer. And I basically, I sort of summoned everything that I learned from Ari at Coconut Cult and Paul at Ourobora and Jing, you know, at Flyby Jing. And even like this guy that, you know, from General Mills that I heard talking about Wheaties and and sort of a General Mills, how they use D2C. And it seems like while it obviously can be a sales channel, the consumer today is is just less likely, A, to buy a, a bigger pack at a more expensive price, unless like you mentioned subscription or... Mm-hmm you know, the, the, the order itself is, you know, a large, it's a, you know, hundred dollar item or something like that. When, you know, ideally they can run to their store and get it, you know, the flavor they want, how they want it, when they want it, or they can, you know, add it when they're buying, you know, pimple cream and, you know, socks on Amazon Mm -hmm. and just get it thrown into that, to that box. It seems like D to C at this point, and and I'm speaking really generally, is primarily a marketing channel in the sense that like Wheaties, they were talking about how they make like 50 gold Wheaties boxes a year for their most loyal Wheaties consumers that they're not selling those at 
you know, Walmart, but it's, it, it has to be a special offering or it has to be a community builder. It has to be something that's just a little different or more special. Um, it's the way that I'm reading it. It's the LTOs. It's the, it's the special collabs. It's the, you know, Mm -hmm. the hot pots. It's, it's that stuff. I mean, is that how you're thinking about it too, a little bit or not as much because you are the kind of thing that people definitely pantry load and people definitely want their bulk pack, you know, every month delivered so that they have the snack that they want. It's probably a little different for a snack like you. It's similar yet different. I would say I agree with that kind of overall assessment, right? Like asking a consumer to go to a a D2C website to go through that process, like as opposed to shopping across different brands, whether it's on Amazon or Thrive, Mm -hmm. as they're doing grocery shopping, it's a different lift. It it is a different consumer. Um, Things like shop pay, or we're really excited to test, you know, buy with Amazon as well through D2C, but Mm -hmm. You know, it's how do you, you know, the, the concept of eliminating friction in a, in a purchase. Right. Um, but the, the LT, the lifetime value um, of consumers and the, the loyalty of that audience is still so important, but the scale is different. You know, the, the business mix is different and what we're able to do in scale on Amazon is going to outweigh that of D to C but it doesn't minimize the importance of continuing to invest in it. Right. Um, but to your point, work with your finance team, like understand customer specific profitability, understand your margins, right. your operating costs, like the overall structure. And that will kind of guide prioritization across those different sales channels. Yeah. And one thing I do want to just tell other brands, because we just went through this is, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon can take, you know, when, if you have an agency fee for a few thousand dollars a month and you have, you know, this, the setup fees and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to park your ads on yourself and defend yourself against whatever, you know, what is it? Defend, destroy something. There's some like three D's. Um, it, it's going to take a while to get profitable. Mm-hmm. I think there was a misconception that Amazon is just like profitable sort of like day one because they don't yeah. have the payment terms of a UNFI. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are going to be making a pretty solid upfront investment. That said, you know, it seems like it's a good channel, like you said, from a volume perspective and also just from a search perspective. Yeah, I mean, Amazon's changed a lot as well. It's it's very dependent on your category, but some categories have become more pay-to-play as well. So mm-hmm. you have your organic strategy, um, but but paid plays an important role in kickstarting that flywheel. Um, so it's all about the Amazon flywheel, which I, I truly believe in and we've seen. Um, yeah. For us, a lot of the time too, is when is the right time to accelerate? And start that acquisition and, and grow up up the funnel, um, but but yeah, it, it it might not be profitable from day one. So right. understand what's that investment window to really prove out the channel. But honestly, we've seen just the it's a it's a huge unlock and and growth opportunity for us still um, to yeah. continue to invest. And I don't know if you want to you don't have to share details, but our you know, there's, there's sort of like that, um, paid on Amazon and then there's just good old fashioned, you know, Google ads, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram, even mm-hmm. Pinterest, like everyone's got, you can do an ad anywhere. Yep. Um, I know that you, you know, and you've talked about sort of like using data and insights to mm-hmm. test the ads. Can you give me any examples of, things that you thought would work that didn't and things that you didn't think would work that did? <laughs> yes, I will try to think of them. You tend to remember what didn't work. More. Yeah, go for it. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I would say, you know, for us, we, we diversified media a lot. And then there was a almost a year where we had traditional paid media turned off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that inventory constraint period where we were really prioritizing retail and 
um, subscription and just, you know, continuing to get product into our existing consumers' hands. So we just recently started again, you know, paid social and paid search. Um, Amazon for sure is, is an acceleration platform for us. Like the media there, we continue to build more into display and online video and, you know, more consideration and brand building tactics within Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say when you are cross channel, things like influencer marketing, influencer, influencer marketing for us is probably our, our highest or is our highest investment from more of a broad digital marketing perspective, measure both, measure both. Um, You know, you have an influencer post, you you'll likely see a lift in Amazon, whether it was directing them to Amazon or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And then use your D to C list to also understand like who prefers to buy on Amazon, segment that out, you know, send them specific offers or discounts or, you know, initiatives and things like that specifically, like test those things in your email campaign. So you can tie those two together. Um, We do Amazon, you know, send me a sample program, for example, Mm -hmm. where we have email capture. So we have this really robust email list that we know knows prefer to shop on Amazon. So any opportunity to understand that buying preference, use it, segment it. Ashley, did that just make your head sort of like start spinning a little bit? I with- feel like we should have a follow-up. <laughs> I, yes. You're, you're definitely going to have a follow-up. And I mean, <laughs> it just, it's interesting because I was like, who's going to own Amazon on the team? You know, and this is not a solely Amazon discussion, but it is kind of interesting to me to think we might want to talk about that, Ash, because, you know, so much of it is likely going to be driven by the content there. Mm-hmm. And so much of it is going to be testing that. And I mean, and then I'm just thinking about linking it back to Maddie who runs email. And I mean, we have, we, I think we've done a really good job segmenting, you know, we have our social nature flow. We have our sort of OG cooking school flow. We have people who've come in through, you know, the QR codes, like, but this is going to be a really interesting one. And I think, you know, thinking about that, that org structure, we were, I mean, similar, but again, opposite in that we had, you know, Amazon and D2C and this e-commerce function built out. And then as we're becoming more velocity obsessed, so I won't be asking you all questions right (laughs) back, um, you know, omni-channel and shopper marketing, you know, where does that live within organizations? Like, you know, not just startups are trying to solve that problem, but, you know, large organizations, where does that sit? Is it, yeah. is it its own function? But the same thing, we have, you know, email lists um, dedicated to each retailer. Yep. So how do we know that people are really excited about our target launch, you know, and yep. how do we segment that out? So that cross-functional, like, collaboration now is is really critical. And how we think about it is what's that kind of core competency? What's the largest core competency that's going to drive that channel? That's probably where you should have it live the closest yeah. to. And then you build those dotted lines yeah. and you build the processes. I mean, you know, it's funny how, you know, everyone builds up their their teams differently depending on the priorities and depending on the skill sets and the excitement that each person on the team has. Mm-hmm. Like if you had asked me a few years ago, if we would be like having internal email, I probably wouldn't have said yes, except that Maddie just took it and ran and she was so excited. And anyone who hasn't heard her episode where we talk about Clavio, um, it's a really good one. Um, but I will say, going back to your question about the shopper marketing, you know, again, it's, I, I mean, people, there's been that debate forever, you know, mm-hmm. whether it lives in sales or marketing, obviously, again, it has to be cross-functional. Obviously you can't market a product on shelf if it's, you know, voided out or if it's, you know, it, no one's put it there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
But I think for us, because we are, we require so much consumer education and people are like, wait, what is this thing? And how do I use it? And what do I put it on? And, you know, why is it fresh? That it is, it it is for us pretty squarely in marketing, obviously with a little bit of help from when are we launching? How many stores, you know, Mm -hmm. what's the, what's this consumer like? And, um, but for the most part, everything that we do comes back to our content, which is, which is you, Ash. Um, going back to something that didn't work. I don't know if we got to that. Well, we, you know, we, I, we didn't, but you know, when I mentioned we're relaunching paid social, for example, Mm-hmm. Our investment level in that right now is a fraction of what it was when I started. Right. And I think that that, yes, was driven a lot. By, I mean, that was four years ago. But early on when I started, that was one of the first things we did was pull that spend down mm-hmm. and reallocate. And yes, it was driven by iOS and audiences and things like that. But just as we continue to think about the role of it, um, you know, the, the creative required, the messaging required, the targeting capabilities, we're just finding different sources of, of more qualified audience targeting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something like Instacart, for example, is just an unbelievable unlock for us. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, you know, having, being able to really tap into actual purchase data, yeah. um, in and out of category. Like I think, you know, for us, it's not just focused on category switchers, it's incremental to categories. So oh, you know, broader, sure. broader, better for you snacking. Yeah. Um, you know, the power of that data just is going to far surpass like some of what's available now in what historically like were those growth channels. And do you feel, I mean, so, so you're spending a lot less. Is that, I mean, do you feel sort of like you're shooting, you're shooting into a big wide ocean and you have no real, you know, I mean, to me it's, you know, again, I'm so retail first and I'm, I'm sort of so velocity focused Mm -hmm. that to send an email into the world of Instagram of some demographic that might be somewhat interested and then not even know if they ever go buy it mm-hmm. just to me just does not feel like a good use of our money. Um, yeah. And I know that that's again, pretty reductive, but how, how are you thinking about paid social aside from influencers like ads really Two ways. Um, I think there's, you know, the the evaluation right now is, is this a channel that works for ROI media? Is this a performance media channel? So mm-hmm. does it fit within, you know, D2C guardrails? Are we driving qualified traffic to site? The second piece that's, that's open right now, we haven't tested this, but a lot of conversation is going around, you know, how do we support the retail business? And is that the right channel? So the way that we're thinking about it and we're still in media planning, so it's not a solution yet, but is thinking about how do we how do we pump the right qualified audience into a platform mm-hmm. to take advantage of the reach and the engagement and the CPMs? And then what's that messaging and that measurement? So we're using aisle, for example, right now. Mm-hmm. Like how are we like how are we tying it into the retail? piece of it because we're still, we still want to be close to that retail point of purchase. Um, so it's an open question for us. So again, listeners, I had Tiffin on who is the founder of Isle. Um, I had him on the podcast a couple months ago. I think Courtney might've been with me anyway. It was a funny episode as you can imagine, because Tiffin's funny. Um, and, you know, it is sort of this, like, it's, it's amazing because it's a blessing and a little bit of a curse for marketing in the sense that you used to pretty much have these walls between channels. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's kind of the same. I was thinking about this with retail too. I mean, you would never have an early stage brand going into Walmart five years ago. It was kind of the kiss of yeah. death. Now it's almost like 
people think of it almost as a friendlier channel than Target in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same shopper that goes to Air One one day goes to Walmart the next day, Costco mm-hmm. the next day, and then, you know, Whole Foods or Sprouts the next day. And again, we have to be everywhere. And what's the movie? Everything, ev- everywhere, all at once or something like that. Um, so it's, it's a blessing because there's so many more touch points where people can find you and the rules are a little bit less sort of strict about the, you know, the map that you need to follow. But on the other hand, you know, we don't have endless resources, any of us. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you talk about media planning, Mm -hmm. what, what, what does day one of media planning look like? Like what is the whiteboard for media planning look like? (laughs) The good question as we really kick off 24 right now, um, it evolves for us. I think we, we keep getting better at it year over year. Um, so, you know, step one, I think is, is at its highest level, like what is the company trying to achieve, um, especially from a, a marketing perspective. So even outside of revenue, like you need to understand, like, do we have specific brand awareness goals, aided, unaided awareness. Is this the year that you are really trying to drive that? Are you trying to drive more recall or equity? Like what are the marketing jobs to be done Mm -hmm. that are going to drive kind of your overall investment level? And then from there, once you kind of have buy-in on that, that's when you can work backwards into a few different buckets, I would say, is, you know, what's your most protected performance investment. Then how do you think about, you know, what is that brand investment needed? Um, We budget on, you know, um, base build and test program methodology, working, non-working, like there's Mm -hmm. a few different ways that we'll, we'll slice and dice that. Mm -hmm. Um, Retail specific, you know, we'll, we'll add a whole layer to that. Right. What are the retail specific requirements? Um, where do you want to invest? When? What's the maturity of your retailers? The same way that you guys are thinking about how do you invest in making Amazon launch work? What's required for a national launch at Target? Yep. Um, are you in the red for three months before you start to see profitability? Like yeah. those types of kind of strategic decisions. Um, will then flow into kind of what tactics are best to solve that. Yeah. It's amazing because part my brain is going, you can go laterally or you can kind of go vertically. Yep. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, I've been thinking about it vertically. Maybe we need to think about it laterally. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ashley, what, what has all this sort of, I know her, her brain is kind of amazing. And I just, I, I want to give you the chance to ask any question that has come up for you in the last, you know, 50 some odd minutes, like what's gotten you, your wheels churning? What do you want to follow up on? Well, first off, I definitely want to re-listen to the entire episode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) second, I think what I really want to dive into is the idea that if we were to run ads, let's say for our current line, there is sort of that level for education. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking with our new line, we're not going to have to educate the consumer on what or how to use the product, which I think reduces like a really nice barrier. Um, But yeah, I think it's mainly like figuring out the target audience for our D to C business and just like how to reach and engage with those folks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's going to be fun for us to, you know, send people to buy wherever they want to buy. I mean, I feel Mm -hmm. like we've had this discussion, but ideally people come to your website and they are given choices. You can add this to your Instacart. You can add this to your Kroger.com cart, Mm -hmm. add this to your, you know, Amazon cart, or you can go over to Amazon or you can buy it directly from us and we will make it as frictionless as possible. So, you know, we recognize your credit card or whatever it is. Um, 
And I see you guys have, you know, store locator powered by destiny, shout out destiny. We have it as well. So, you know, I would think about as you're building out, you know, acquisition or you're just driving new consumers to your site, like how does a store locator play into that landing page? Like, what is that? What are those different touch points? How are you tracking? Like who prefers to add to cart? Who's shopping in different places? So there's, there's a lot of kind of split testing you can do and learn as you understand how people are navigating that, how they're decision-making on your site. So think about the hierarchy of the landing page, mm-hmm. you know, test out different content blocks. Um, you know, there's a, the whole series of kind of CRO and tools out there that make it really easy, you know, without the, we love our developer. We don't know what we would do without him. Um, But that, that does put a lot of power into, you know, Ashley, your hands to just play around with different things and AB test. Mm. It's so exciting. Yeah, it really is exciting. Um, Stacey, this has been amazing. And I think we are going to be able to follow up. Hopefully I know you have a big life event happening soon. So we had to get you on here pretty quickly. Um, but you know, first of all, feel free to call us at any time about retail stuff and, you know, retailers have all sorts of things that they suggest that you should do. And some of them, as you know, are, better investments in the relationship, let's say, than in necessarily like driving a ton of velocity. You will definitely be getting my call for that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Ashley, thank you for coming on and guiding the conversation more specifically, because obviously this is your wheelhouse much more than it is mine. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. Stacy, good luck and thank you so much for coming on. Um, we will we'll be following up with some questions, but it was amazing having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you both. Excited to try your new products. Yay. Um, <laughs> January. And Liam, as always, thank you for engineering, keeping us all on the rails. And everyone listening, um, I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.